Hey friends, happy April to you. This is not an April Fool's joke at all. Uh, in the last one, I did mention that I would be giving away a $35 bagpipe swag gift card. So real quick, I'm doing that right now. That's going to go to Benjamin Elzerman uh, for sharing sharing a favorite a favorite episode of the Droning On podcast and, and tagging us. I appreciate it very much, Ben. Ben and I have interacted a bit. He's got some really, really cool bagpipe-related 3D print projects. So if you don't follow him on social media already, I dare say it's worth it, especially if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Very cool stuff. So, Ben, I'll be reaching out to you with a gift card for bagpipe swag. Um, probably by the time this episode goes out, actually, you'll probably already have a, an email or a social media message from me or something. But, uh... I uh, hope you all enjoy this episode. I had a lot of fun talking to Jeff, and I'll get out of your way so you can enjoy it. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye. Uh, Jeff, uh, thanks for coming on the show, and I don't want you to feel at all stressed because it's not live, so I can edit anything later. So say whatever you want with reckless abandon. Um, I know you Jeez. like you, you like to cuss like a sailor, so, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, just let right. loose. <laughs> <clears throat> it's, it's a pleasure. Happy to... Happy to be here. Well, I appreciate it. And I think I've been bothering you about, about coming on the show for like maybe more than a year now. So it's, it's uh, nice of you to have been patient with me. <laughs> I, I, and I apologize. Oh, you don't um, need to apologize. No, I'm apologizing for, for, for <laughs> bothering you over and over again for such a long time. I know you're a busy man. Um, we, things have, have been a little bit busy, um, but you know, it's great. I, I being retired, it's uh, it's so much. You know, it's kind of like I I tell my wife I should have retired forty years ago, <laughs> Be, but you know I find myself even more busy than uh, when I was working. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's like when you move a reptile to a bigger cage, like they just grow to fill the space, right? So <laughs> that's right. You've got that's more right. hours in the day, but stuff will come up to fill those hours, won't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and and not least among those, of course, is running the the Great Wuspaba. Um now I I don't want to make you feel old, Jeff. But right. But I've been I've been piping here locally for fifteen plus years, and I don't remember you ever not being there. You're a fixture of competition for me. Um, so what's up with that? Like, how did this start for you? You know? Oh, it's it's actually a funny story. So I want to say we were at the old Santa Rosa games, and uh, it was my first time. Um, to go, I went along with my buddy, who's now my brother-in-law, Andrew Morrill. Hey, that worked out. Yeah, and uh, so he had he was he was sitting on the music committee for WISPA at the time, and uh, he said, "You know, I've I've got this meeting. I I have to attend, so uh, I'll just run in. You sit over here." on this bench in the lobby, wait for me, and then we'll take off right after. So I uh, I sat on the bench, and maybe 15 minutes later, Andrew comes out with uh, Susan Thornton, who was the president at the time, mm -hmm. from um, 
she was she's actually from Littleton, Colorado. She was the mayor of Littleton, Colorado at the time. Uh, uh, during you know when they had the um, Columbine shootings oh, man. there, so rough time but, to be the mayor of that town. My oh goodness. yeah, absolutely. But she came out and she said, "I understand from Andrew that you know how to use a computer." <laughs> and uh, yeah. I uh, I thought, well, you know, I'm not the best on a computer, but yeah, I can turn it on. And she said, well, we need a registrar. We're starting to do solos. It's like, you can turn on a computer, sir, you're hired. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And so I remember uh, she invited me into this meeting. And, you know, this is, there was Bill Merriman and Margaret Craig was in there. And, and, uh, you know, some of these, these people that, you know, became giants in in WUSPA mm-hmm. um, were sitting in this meeting and she just said, you know, just sit here and take notes. And so they were talking about, I had no idea what they were talking about. They were talking about MSRs. And I remember thinking, how, how do you spell that? Oh, you know, yeah. I, I was going E M M E S S E R. Right. You know, and I I had no idea, and so from there it just kind of grew into you know, um, where I'm, you know where things are today. Were so. Were you going to the Santa Rosa games like just for fun then? Like, had you been oh. into it already? Like. No, not at all. Um, when I was 17, Andrew uh, and I started playing around with a practice chanter. Yeah. Um, but nothing serious. And so, you know, it was just kind of like a vacation for me to to get away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Man, that's, uh, that's amazing. Baptism by fire, right? Right, yeah. You you don't usually go straight from kind of like vaguely aware of Highland Games to uh, the registrar for you know organizing (laughs) competitions. Usually, you have to you have to really love it a lot first before you're willing to do that kind of thing. Usually, (laughs) that's how desperate they were. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's that's interesting though. Like I I I've talked with uh, with Kevin. You you know Kevin Saunders. talked with him a little bit before about how like how like I've been in this maybe kind of stuck in this mindset before where I just kind of assumed that on a band level as well as on a you know on a um on a you know uh, uh association level too like it would be unthinkable that people who don't play would have any interest in helping in like in like leadership roles you know um right which is so silly of me. The, like what Kevin pointed out for me is like, you no, know, look at look at like these big bands, you know, the big grade one bands and stuff like that. Like the the players that you see on the green are the tip of the iceberg. There's such a massive support team behind those people, you know. Right. Um, exactly. And I think sometimes that's limited, like when setting up Garden Valley and stuff like that. That's maybe limited a, a little bit, like how far we cast the net when looking for people to like be on the board or to help with parades, you know, stuff like that. It kind of we feel like oh well, amongst the pipers and drummers, who's willing to do this thing, and we kind of forget right. to even check outside of that small circle, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And, um, you know, the, the, the greatest, one of the greatest things that I feel and, and kind of has been my, my go-to has been trying to get more and more people involved because you never know, you know, mm. what can spring out of, you know, uh, some people and maybe their sons or daughters that, that, uh, you know, become incredible players yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, that's a good point. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I want to sing each life that touches ours for good, but insert right. pipe, bagpipe <laughs> lyrics instead or something. <laughs> right. Um, so, so then Jeff, if like over these years, do you, have you kept a tally of how many years you've spent like on Waspaba boards? Well, you know, I started in 1996. Yeah. And I've basically, you know, there might be one or two years where I took a break. Yeah. I needed a bit of a break, but it's been fairly steady since then. Well, um, just not, again, not to make you feel old or anything, Jeff, but right. 96 was when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> okay. And so like, that's when you started and it was, you know, somewhat, uh, let's see, eight, nine years later that I first picked up a practice chanter. And that's, that's why for me, you are a fixture of bagpiping. You were already there, you know, and you have always been there, you know? James, I could be your grandpa. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Weird. That's impossible. My, none of my grandpas were nearly as cool as you. <laughs> I can say that because well, thank one, you. because one of them has already passed on, and the other one is so so drunk all the time he wouldn't even know if he heard it. So so I can go ahead and say something like that wantonly and not be too worried about any any wrathful um, visits on on Sunday at dinner time, you know, or anything like that. Right. Well, then then Jeff. At, why, like, I had in my head that you were a drummer. Have you picked up drums along the way, or is that just something <clears throat> I invented? You know, I started out as a tenor drummer, mm -hmm. and I was with the Utah Pipe Band. Mm. Um, during that time, uh, I, I took some lessons from David Barclay. Oh, sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was, that was amazing. That, uh, that is and will always be a special bit of history for me. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, BJ Gunn was working with me on tenor, mm -hmm. and I actually went out to two or three competitions uh, playing tenor drum. Yeah. And uh, then, of course, as you well know, uh, there's this kind of interplay between pipers and drummers. Mm -hmm. And Andrew was saying, "Hey, you gotta come away from the dark side." Yeah, <laughs> you, you know. And so yeah. that's when we started working on chanter. Type right. Stuff. Yeah. So have you? How far have you? Like, man, shoot, I, I, I don't even know. So I feel silly asking, but like, how far have you, you know, taken pipes? Have you? Did you compete on pipes too? Yeah. Yeah. So no. Uh, I have, you know, uh, and to be truthfully honest, I am not a good piper. Hey, uh, me can, neither. Let's, let's all be honest. <laughs> I, I can, I can get them blown up. I can play a couple of tunes, but, uh, but I am actively taking lessons. And so, uh, currently I take from, uh, Ross Morrill, which is Andrew's son. Yeah. 
and uh, Bob Worrell. And Bob Worrell, of all people. My goodness, wow. Well, there's one good way to fill up your retirement hours. Well, those two keep me on my toes. Yeah. I'll tell you. That's really cool. Now, Ross, of course, we we have had on the show. I'll, I'll put a link to some interviews with him because it's fun to talk with Ross, both as a pipe maker and as you know a, a pipe major of a a grade two band. But uh, Bob Worrell, he I have not yet uh, convinced Bob Worrell to come on the show. Here, here's see, we'll see if we can get him on here someday. <laughs> Bob Bob is great, and that'll he be is... the the main thing I talk to him about of all the things he's done in piping and in, in, in the piping scene. The main thing I'll ask him about is how you are as a pupil. <laughs> that'll be the main topic of conversation <laughs> and, and if you could see him he'll just roll his eyes <laughs> you know <laughs> oh. so so you started messing around with a practice channel when you were young like why did that happen did you have any family that were interested in piping and stuff like that like uh or was it was it just that andrew was like hey this would be fun you know like James, anything there this, this is a wild story and uh Huh. It's like my wife says, you know, she'll always say whenever I start into one of my stories, just give me the, just give me the punchline. You know? <laughs> well, that's not what this show is about. I want you to drone on. So go, go right on into it. Go right okay. on into it. So when I was just a little kid and we would go to the 24th of July parade, I was just absolutely fascinated which let me just bands. real quick to for context for anybody outside of Utah. That's because the twenty fourth of July is Utah's um, becoming a state Founding. holiday. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was just oh, I love bagpipes, and you know, actually, as um, you know, as I grew up, it was it, it kind of developed into even just any kind of Celtic music. What and so what? I, I what what pipe bands? Do you know what pipe bands you would have been hearing when you were a kid? Would it have been just the Utah well, pipe band at that time? Prob- probably, you know, there was the Utah pipe band, the Salt Lake Scots. Salt Lake Scots, of course, yeah. And um, you know, everybody was talking to me about Simon Fraser. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but we didn't <clears throat> we didn't have YouTube back then. Right, right. Um, but um, and then of course. When I would attend, you know, some of these games later on, uh, you know, you'd get to hear, you know, Kevin Blanford's, Mm. you know, R.P. Blanford and Son back then, and uh, the city of Sacramento and, you know, L.A. Scots and all those kind of bands. But um, so I always just felt like somewhere... Um, I probably have some, you know, some Scottish blood or something. Uh, you know, that's that's the dream of of all of us guys, right? You, you yeah, know, you thinking, discover the the one. Yeah, where's our line. where's our yeah. right, right? <laughs> Go straight so, to William Wallace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and and so uh, you know, I got into a little bit of genealogy. And I was adopted, but... Um, oh, I had no uh, idea you were adopted. Yeah, oh, I was okay. adopted. Yeah. As, so even know, more of a question mark for you, trying to figure out, like, oh, maybe there, this is something, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, when I was doing, 
my adoptive line genealogy, you know, we had to go back seven generations to, you know, find a Campbell, you know. In ah, the, yeah. You that, know. But that one rings the right kind of bell, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. so I'm, I, you know, I'm going to cling on to that thing for yeah. dear life, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, I guess it's going to be about seven years ago I finally got the bug for some reason to try to find out about my birth parents. Mm -hmm. And I knew where I had been adopted. Uh, It was through the Children's Service Society here in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was this sweet girl, um, Becky, I remember her first name, that uh, said that she could help me because when I was 17, I tried to find, I, you know, I was going through my rebellious oh, stage yes, and you're not my real parents. And, totally. You know, yep. <laughs> you know, and so I was I don't even belong out. here. I'm leaving. R- right, <laughs> yeah, right. You yeah. know, and so I thought, um, you know, I'll, I'll try and find out what's, you know, who my real parents were. But yeah. back then in the old days, you had to... Uh, the records were all sealed, mm-hmm. and so you had to get a court order. Mm. And of course, being a dumb seventeen-year-old, I didn't know what I was, you know, yeah, what I was doing. So I just quickly gave up on that idea. But um, like I said, about seven years ago, I decided to pursue it again. And um, uh, Becky was there, and she said, "Nope, laws have changed." Uh, you know, we can get the information for you. And so, you know, we went through the paperwork and she said, uh, while I was on the phone, she said, is there, she said, I have your record right here, which was really kind of scary. Like she had all the, yeah, I I can only imagine, of course, Jeff, but yeah, like I can, like to have it all there on one little sheet of paper, so so much significant information all gathered together, I can imagine that would be uh, overwhelming. And she said, is there anything that you want to know? You know, and of course my first question was, well, is, you know, (laughs) is anybody still living? Sure, yeah. And uh, then my second question was, you know, is there anything in there that might suggest that, you know, I have any kind of Scottish or Irish, you know, ancestry or anything like that? Yeah. And so she was going through there and said, well, you've, you've got some brothers and sisters wow. still living. There's news, huh? Yeah. And uh, she said, oh, this is really interesting. She said, uh, your grandparents are from Scotland. No, really? So not even a distant connection? Yeah. Wow. And uh, they were from, uh, they were born in Motherwell. Um, Mm. And uh, they actually came over and uh, uh, they're, they're, uh, and the story gets wild, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's that was the connection. Wow, uh, that's I mean, we we talk about the sound of bagpipes, you know, stirring something in our blood and stuff like that, you know. Um, and like you know, I I I sometimes get a bit cynical and think like, ah, it's just a cool sound that you know some people are gonna like and some people aren't gonna like, and that's all there is to it. But uh, that's 
that's special. I mean, that's a that's a pretty darn cool thing for you to have like felt this connection to the music, and for so many years continue feeling it, and then to find that there is a real connection and it's not a distant one either. Well, James, and then it goes a little bit farther. I oh. mean, it, it it like I said, it just gets crazy weird. Um, so I found out that I had uh, a sister that was living down in St. George, and she had been adopted as well yeah and so um so there was two of us that were given up for adoption and uh, when i connected with her and we were doing the 40 questions kind of thing you know yeah what um, what is that what is that first phone call like to be like hello my name's jeff i'm your brother (laughs) you know right (laughs) (laughs) man um uh, well, I'll tell you, it was it was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so my sister Natalie, um, we were sitting there talking, and and uh, I said, "Well, you know, do you, what what do you like? What do you do? You know?" Yeah. And she played piano and organ like like I do. Yeah. And she says, "Well, she says this is kind of crazy. My brother plays the pipes and." I Highland Dance. No way. <laughs> and I said, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You know? And I thought, how from a family where she had been, you know, given up for adoption. Yeah. How would she, you know, so then, you know, you, you wonder if there's some kind of predisposition to you know or, or some genetic thing right you know? right i mean there's there's not enough individuals in this situation to put together like empirical evidence to to find the connections right but it does make you wonder because that's that's quite the coincidence yeah yeah it was amazing oh man it was amazing that's super cool so, uh yeah so so like have you so that that so that, does that mean that her adoptive brother also played pipes then yes Wow, yeah. Yes. But she she did Highland Dancing, huh? Right. And right down there, did she grow up in St. George? She did. So she was Highland Dancing down there while you were yeah. picking up the chanter and, and, and tenor drumming and, and stuff up here. And, right. And all the while, you didn't know. And did she? Had do you, no do you know idea. If, do you know if she knew about your grandparents any time before? She did not. She didn't even know, huh? She didn't know until I told her. Yeah, you cracked the, the info to her, too. So, man, Wow. Yeah. That's, that is so cool. Well, Amazing. anything else that I have to ask or say, Jeff, just feels like not nearly as cool now. I feel like we, <laughs> we, we, we apexed here. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll take it one step further. Yeah. Um, so uh, <clears throat> I've been doing a little bit, bit of composition. Yeah. And uh, one of the tunes that I've re- recently written is called Finding My Home. Mm. And so it talks about this, you know, needing for this connection and that kind of thing. Mm. But at the end of the tune, it talks about an event that, that, and and this is where it gets kind of weird. So my sister Natalie and I, we decided that we were going to try to find my grandparents' grave because they were buried in Salt Lake. Oh, of course, because I haven't come over here. Yeah, I was imagining that would have been in Scotland. But yeah, that makes sense. It would be close by. Yeah. And so we went to, oh, 
I think it's called Wasatch Lawn up on. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, Highland Drive. Yeah, yeah. And so being, uh, we being asked, in the being in the bagpiping business, of course, we all know all the cemeteries, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, uh, we asked the sexton, and they were able to locate the grave. And I'm thinking, you know, this is crazy because this is up in the area where my adoptive grandparents are buried. Oh. Like, as you got closer and closer, it was feeling familiar? Yeah. Oh, really? So, Natalie and I are walking around, and, you know, I'm going, oh, yeah, so here's, the, this is where my my grandparents on my, um, on my mom's side is buried. And she goes, what was the name again? And I said, Stevenson. She goes, well, there's a Stevenson right here, <laughs> which it was one row up. It was probably about as, you know, not even, not even four or five feet. They're buried across from each other. My goodness. And they, of course, would have never known each other. No, right. And so, you know, makes it easy on Memorial Day, but holy <laughs> How cow, convenient. that was... Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> but, but... That uh, just the wildest, wildest thing, Jeff. You know? I, I that that is amazing. I mean, like I don't, I you know, it's it's for you to make meaning of, of course. So it's not like I need to make meaning of it. I'm just saying, like personally, I I don't I don't know what to make of this. But I've, what what I've got it. Why is there a tear coming out of my eye? There's something. Is it, <laughs> is it that it's cool, beautiful, magical? Like there's just something special here. That's super cool. That it was amazing. It really was. Yeah. I'll have to take you up there next time, James. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We'll take a look. The uh, it it's something that maybe has been on anybody's mind. I don't know, but like I, I grew up, my my best friends were adopted when I was growing up, and it was always funny that their parents would like slip into a very normal thing. I think for any parent, when like you know, if their kid liked a food that the parent didn't like, or if the kid was being you know rebellious or something like that, right, being sassy, the parent right. would say something like. Oh, he doesn't get it from my side of the family. <laughs> and then they'd go, oh, of course he doesn't. You know, like, <laughs> genuinely they would say that, you know. Right. You know and, and, of course, there were always these tropes that we would just, like, naturally assume. Like, one of, one of my friends was adopted from India, and the other one was, uh, was adopted here locally but was Native American. And, like, if, the, if, if Jared, who was from India, if he liked, like, spicy food, we would go, oh, well, it's because, you know, he's, like, predisposed somehow to, like, curry and stuff like that, you know. Right. Which, which maybe right. is just silly. Probably is just silly, right? But there, we had, like, these assumptions, like, just built into our brains, you know? Right and, right, and like a while ago, I talked to a really great Illin Piper named Liam Winnett, who, uh, who was adopted from Texas and now lives in Ireland and picked up the Illin Pipes there. And I did ask him, I was like, have you ever like listened to like, you know, some, some Texas country music and gone like, ah, the sound of my people. And he said it doesn't, he never has. So maybe it only goes <laughs> one way, you know, maybe it only goes one way. But yeah. it's a similar thing where I think like, now what if Jared really did have some sort of predisposition to really like spicy food because of something in genetics? I don't know. Maybe there is something there, you know? And what if there is something about the sound of bagpipes that would have driven people to pursue that sound and achieve it? And yeah. whatever that is genetically is still there for appreciation of that sound. I don't well, know. And, and, and maybe not even just the sound, but, you know, the melodic mm. line. You know, just the, the, the way... 
you know, when you're hearing Celtic music and, and, and how the music line kind of, you know, kind of rolls. There uh, is kind of a formula there, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's why it's distillable as a genre, why it's recognizable. There, there are characteristics there. Right. Yeah. That Absolutely. is interesting. It, it, um, um, uh, and, and, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's going on with this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm in a, a, a project that I'm working on right now. So Andrew, uh, Morrill and I have been talking about, for the, you know, you think it's bad that, that, uh, it's taking you, you know, over a year to get me on the, you know, <laughs> on the, on the We've got podcast, longer timelines but, going. <laughs> oh my gosh. Andrew and I have been working on our quote CD for probably <laughs> two years now. You know, I was gonna we're say gonna like this... since CDs were the main medium for music, right? <laughs> right. And uh, you know, it's like, oh, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, we do. But there was a, a couple of tunes that. Um, I needed vocals for. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I called you, you said you weren't available. So, <laughs> you know. You but, know, I'm known in the area as an excellent vocalist, and so I would have uh, been an obvious choice. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, that's why I wanted you. But, and, and so, you know, I'm thinking, who, who can I get to do vocals? And uh, we were in the recording studio and our sound engineer, uh, great guy, uh, who used to work out of L.A., mm. he said, you know, this this music, and, and that was this particular tune that I was talking about, Finding My Home. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, that really, he said, you need to get, like, one of the Celtic women to, oh, sing, well, you know, sure. to sing that. <laughs> Wouldn't that oh, be nice? Oh, yes. Yeah. That's what I'll do. Sure, yeah, I'll let me... if, if Enya's busy, I guess I'll call one of them, right? <laughs> right. Let me let me just hop on the phone here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I went home and told my wife, and she just burst out laughing. You know? yeah. We thought it was the, the greatest thing. And so the next day, um, there's this email that uh, our sound engineer sent us, and it had, you know... Uh, this email link on it. Oh, did he like have a connection? Yeah, he had oh, a connection. Really? So he wasn't and just so, throwing that out in the air. He actually had something of substance to... Right. Wow. And so, you know, I was thinking, uh, yeah, there's there's just no way I'm going right, to do that. Still. Right, yeah. You know, and, and then I thought, well, okay, you know, if I did send it, she would ignore me, number one, Number two, she'd say no, or I don't know. You right, know? tiny possibility, maybe, maybe. Who knows? So, but what's the worst I, that could happen? Is what yeah, you're saying, right? yeah, yeah. So that's what I I came down to. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? So I sent off the email, and about ten minutes later, I get this email back that says. Um, could you send me the soundtrack? What? Like she was sitting there waiting for your email, man. <laughs> yeah, what? right. What in the world? And, and, you know, so I send her the soundtrack, and about five minutes later, she says, I'm in. Whoa. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this wow. is incredible. So um, I've been working with Alex Sharp, who sang with uh, Celtic Women for a number of years. And uh, she is here in Bountiful today. Oh, really? And we're going into the recording studio today. Whoa. And uh, we, we were there yesterday for a few hours. And uh, just the, one of the most amazing, you know, I call it gobsmacked experiences I've ever had. Yeah, that is so cool. I'll tell you what I'm waiting for now, Jeff, is for you to give us the reveal that then you found out that you and Alex are cousins. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, actually, it's kind of funny because uh, my wife, she and my wife have been really hitting off well. Yeah. To the point where, you know, uh, she'll come over for dinner or something, and then it's like, well, I might as well just leave the room because those two are, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, just. You're just chatting. the third wheel. Right, right. Right. Yeah, go, but it, go, go play your piano, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Oh man. But it's it's been amazing. Man, that is super cool. Uh Jeff, if there's any uh like timing benefit to releasing this episode in a way that like promotes the C D or something, you know, later on down the road, let me know. Uh, well, and I I didn't want to make it sound like I was doing a plug. Dude, do a plug though. That's super yeah. cool. You know, I was I was already going to ask you if I could play Highland Vamp at some point during this episode. So I was going <laughs> to pull some of your music anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly why I wanted to play it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I honestly do enjoy it. I do like that track. And, and and for what it's worth, my wife likes it too. Like everybody who I've talked to so far is like, no, I, I like that. That's fun. You know, so. So with Highland Vamp, uh, it was kind of a let's get together and we're just kind of fooling around on the piano. And it, it was n not serious at all. I think that it comes was across. Like, it's definitely not a serious tune. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. And, and matter of fact, it was like, you know, so let's just throw something together and see if we can even make sound. Yeah. And so we threw this thing together. I've, uh, it, it personally is my worst 
uh, <laughs> tune. But, you know, it's so funny because there's a lot of other people that really like it. And I'm just sitting there shaking my head going, yeah. How, oh, you guys, no. fun collaborations, you know, comes through or something like that, that, that gets, gets us on some level that we don't quite recognize or something. Cause there is something about it. It's a fun tune. Well, and I appreciate that. And you know, that, that could very well be because, you know, uh, you would have thought that, that we, you know, were drunk when we made the thing. <laughs> yeah. I can so, see that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, so then, then Jeff, what, where do the, where does the piano come into your life? Cause that's that's the thing like you know um you you and andrew played small pipes and piano at zach's funeral which was lovely and i know since my wife's aunt is you know goes to church with you there i know that you guys have done stuff at church before because she's told me you know right and so like where where did piano come into your life and was it directly because of celtic music or did it kind of you know, then become a thing you could blend with uh, bagpipes and stuff like that. Right. So I actually started uh, when I was, I want to say I was seven. Oh, pretty young. Uh, huh? I started playing organ. Oh, you started on the organ, really? Yeah, we started on the organ. <clears throat> we had this little Hammond organ. Jeff, and, my uh, desk that I'm sitting at right now to talk to you from is actually a Hammond organ. Oh my goodness. So carry, uh, carry on. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. So, uh, and my feet at the time uh, didn't reach the pedals. <laughs> yeah. And so when I was trying to play the pedals, I do not know how many times I had to slip that bench kind of forward mm-hmm. and inevitably it would slide out from underneath me and I'd fall flat on my butt, you know. <laughs> I was imagining and, just standing on the pedals. You just step from one to the other. <laughs> oh, right, right. But yeah, so I started on organ and I was living in Billings, Montana at the time. Mm. And then when we moved down to Salt Lake, um, uh, there was a, a young man named Alexander Schreiner. He he actually wasn't that young, but he was at the Tabernacle, and I started taking organ lessons from him. And uh, then I switched, uh, and I started taking lessons from Roy Darley, who also was one of the Tabernacle organists. At, at the time, was would the Tabernacle organ or the one at uh, the Madeline have been sort of like the biggest organ in the state? Yes. One, yes. one or the other? One Clearly. Of, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it probably was the Tabernacle because, you know, it has so many ranks of pipes. And, oh, yeah. and the Madeline, you know, if I recall, I think the Madeline only has three or four 
keyboards compared to <laughs> this is you know, this is an organist for sure talking yeah. only three or four well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know <laughs> but um yeah it, it so i you know I, I went on an lds mission i went up to montreal canada quebec and nice. uh did you learn french came, up there i did nice i did and then when I came back, um, I started piano. And was and that the was the focus of your organ playing from a young age, like churchy music, or did you pick up some like organ jazz along the way as well, it, theater it kind was, of music? Yeah, no, no theater. It was all Bach. Oh yes, and classically and trained, huh? Classically trained type mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Have you ever uh, been yeah, to the those organ guys loft? Were, yes. Dude, I've there's actually, a cool organ, huh? Yeah, that is a fun organ. And that's that's probably one of the best ones for playing, you know, your theater type yeah. stuff. And, yeah. When my wife that's and I were teenagers, one. when we were courting, that was one of our favorite dates was to go to the organ loft. We'd go, yeah. we'd go, you'd, they'd play, they'd have a guy sitting there playing the organ and just, you know, you know, but just for the sake of the right. people listening, the organ loft, they've. I think that this this was a theater organ that like got saved in a chicken coop when the theater got knocked down or something and like basically at this point it's now been like built into the walls of this building so like not only does this organ player have control of the organ pipes but there are all kinds of like percussion things and bells and whistles yeah. that will go off throughout the entire building as as they're playing and you sit there and eat dinner while they play music for you and then you and then you dance and you know they'd have like a three piece or a four piece group get out and play music and we'd we'd all dance and and yeah, as, as, in absolutely. my memory, it was my wife yeah. and I and a ton of awesome retired couples. <laughs> like, you know, like World War II vets seeing how low I could go, you know, <laughs> like, like challenging me to like boogie contests and stuff. It was a lot of fun. though. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those days. Good old days. Yeah. But I, I interrupted you. So then it, it was it was later on after you got back from your admission and everything that you started picking up piano, huh? Right. Does that, did that feel easy? Because I'm usually, I, I feel like most people go from piano to organ, and so you're adding things, and you have to, you know, you have to sustain with your fingers and stuff. Did it feel easy to go to piano in some ways? Uh, it, it did, um, but the touch is so different, right? Mm-hmm. And so where, like you say, on the organ, you have to sustain the notes. Um, you're not, yeah, you're, um, what's what's the word? There's a word I'm for it, right? For. That crossover yeah. finger thing, where you right. like finger substitution and is that what it's called? Substitution? Yeah. Well, so you've got the finger substitution, but um, uh, it's more of where you're kind of I I wouldn't call it plunking the keys, mm. but you don't do that on the organ. You have to. It's it's all legato. You've, yeah, you've got to right. you know play it very smoothly and. And that kind of thing. So that was that was a bit of a challenge, trying to because on the piano, especially if you're on a nice, you know, big grand piano, the the weight of your finger when your when your finger comes down on the key, you can increase the richness of the tone mm. by how hard you hit the key, right? Not a or, thing with the organ. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's so, so interesting, Jeff. Because like I don't consider myself an expert in any way. That like I would have been able to dis- like figure something out from watching. But I've watched you play piano a little bit, and it has struck. Like I like watching your hands when you play, and in some way it felt like this is different. 
there's something unique going on there. And I'm not, I'm not saying it, like I say, I'm not an expert. It's not like I was like the one person who could have perceived this or something, right? Probably experts would have been able to look and say, ah, oh, this, this person clearly plays organ or something like that, right? Yeah. But it yeah. does make me want, like, do you feel like maybe your piano playing is unique because of extensive organ training first? I, I, I would say, and, uh, you know, anybody that's heard me play would definitely say that my piano playing is unique. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you... I see. <laughs> I've, I've uh, perhaps set you up for self-deprecation here, I see. Yes. No, no, no. Um, That's not at all I, what I meant. Your piano playing right. is lovely. No, 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 no. It's absolutely lovely. <laughs> I meant you. unique and like genuinely just unique. <laughs> like, ah, that's unique. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's influence, right? Yeah, yeah. From from playing the organ that. Cer- I mean, certainly you've been playing piano for a long time now as well, so it's not like, right? Not like it was yesterday, of course. So. Right. So, is that is that sort of like the biggest expression of, of you know musical output for you, or have you picked up other you know like do you have a penny whistle laying around or guitar or stuff like that? What else do you do? I I do have a whistle, mm-hmm. and uh, I have um, a boron sitting here, uh, which I, you know I I I have no idea how to use that thing. Sometimes but, I wonder how many of us actually do. Maybe none of us do. Yeah, it, it's just the people that that can really play the boron. That's isn't that the coolest? That amazes me. Yeah. You know, and and I'm just like a caveman with a stick and a rock when I pick one. Up. <laughs> right. The, the gentle touch that a, that a legit player has, and the, all the tones they get out of it and stuff, it's just just awesome. Right. Right. No. Um, uh. I would say that the vast part of my music experience, you know, as far as as doing anything worth noting would be probably piano or organ. Yeah. Um, But the, you know, the pipes is something that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, uh, signed up on on the dojo and mm-hmm. Andrew Douglas he rolls his eyes when <laughs> you know and and but, you, know, you just yeah right right <laughs> but but you just carry on you know yeah so yeah. yeah so I do you remember one night that you and Tyler and I spent hours and hours in one of your back rooms all of us scratching our heads trying to figure out how to get a treadmill out of the room. I re that. that Do you remember I, that? J- it was years ago. Fond, very fond. Very <laughs> fond memories. It was a great night. Memory. It was, but also like <laughs> how ridiculous that three grown men couldn't figure out. <laughs> like seriously, I I don't remember exactly how long, but it was seriously hours. It was like, how did this thing get in here? How did yeah, we right. get it out? <laughs> so I remember from that night though, also seeing some really cool art some paintings hanging on your walls now that, that later you told me your daughter had done. Did do right. you and your wife also do visual art or, and that's where she picked it up or is that a surprise to you guys that like, Oh, we've got an artist in the family. No, that was, that was a total surprise. Mm. So, uh, my daughter is in intellectually delayed. She has what they call, um, a myelin deficiency. Hmm. So, uh, the myelin sheath, that are on the ed- 
ends of the, you know, the nerves um, have kind of deteriorated. And so uh, she's like a, how would I describe it? Like a 31-year-old going on 12 or something like that, hmm. you know. She's fully functional, um, but uh, she just has this real kind of childlike uh, um, kind of thing to her that, that you know, it's very endearing uh, for us. Oh, and I'm sure, yeah. You know, love her to death. Um, so we received a phone call one day uh, from the art teacher at Woods Cross High School. And he wanted to meet with us regarding our daughter. Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, What's man, she done? What she, yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know. And so we go down there, and he says, your daughter has this incredible ability for color. Mm. And, and he says what she does is... Uh, he would like draft out in pencil, you know, something for her. Mm. And then she would just start picking up the paints and she would mix her own colors. Oh, she wasn't just taking them from the tube, huh? Uh-uh. Oh. She would mix them. And, uh, you know, and he said, I've never seen that because once she picks it up, she doesn't stop. It's not like she looks back and, you know, um, studies the, the painting or mm. anything like that. She just picks it up and just starts mixing and starts, you know, and, and doesn't do it until it's time to stop. So it's kind of and, a, it's a flowy thing and it's not like a premeditated thing. Right. Interesting. Right. Absolutely. And uh, so he says, you know, we've got this guy that's coming in uh, who's, you know, one of these big artists that, that we've invited. And he's actually looked at her work and said that this is, you know, this is pretty amazing. And we're thinking, you know, um, at church on Sunday when she's doodling, uh, you know, and then we're taking the stuff out and throwing it, tossing it in the trash. <laughs> yeah. you know? Every Sunday, just systematically throwing her stuff away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we're thinking, holy cow, you know, that could pay for the phone bill. Right, and, yeah. You know? <laughs> And at this point in high school, it's like, how many decades of her, like, early work have we now just thrown out that could have been worth even more? (laughs) Yeah. Those are the the thoughts, the thoughts that would go through the the parents of any any art prodigy, right? Like, absolutely. (laughs) Many silly doodles. How many times they get angry at them for drawing on the wall when I should have just put a frame around it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, that's, that's really interesting, Jeff, because, like, I do remember, like, it, I think part of it was that it felt like a series. I, if I, in my memory, as we walked down the hall, it was like there were several of them, and so it was like there were there was more than just one. But they definitely she, were like attention grabbing, you know. She had done, uh, I want to say, close to thirty mm. paintings, and and they had it at the uh, there's an um, what would you call it an art show that they had in Bountiful. Mm-hmm. And she sold out on her paintings, and they had her do some more. And, of course, 
we thought we we better you know buy them ourselves you know before so that we can actually have a few so, have some memories yes yeah, that's yeah. what you saw yeah uh, gotcha well that that's that's super cool so is is the condition did you say was is it called myelon yeah myelin myelin yeah myelin deficiency so so the condition uh can go three ways it can stay the same it can get worse or it can improve mm -hmm. and hers has basically just kind of stayed the same i see so it's kind of like there was um development and progress up to about about the point where it is now and it's kind of paused it's not like yeah it's I not like she'll that's... be a 60 year old going on 20 at some point right gotcha. yeah yeah I, that's fair yeah gotcha well that's really interesting and also like you know of course like there is added interest in some ways when like an artist is is neurodivergent in some way that like it's like oh there's a different way of seeing the world and it kind of gives you like maybe a little peek into that and stuff like that but you know, you don't also don't want necessarily for like the art's only interest to be that, like you don't want the reason the art is interesting to be her condition, of course, right? Like the art right. is beautiful on its own. And that's, I guess that's that's part of it is that like, I was like, Jeff, where did you get these paintings? Because like they were just cool paintings all on their own <laughs> without having any idea who your daughter is. And it's also interesting to me, Jeff, that like, why did they grab my attention when I'm severely colorblind? And so you wouldn't think that like interesting things with, with color would have really pulled my interest but, oh, yeah, that is. But, that is but they sure did. I feel like there was a lot of contrast, though. Were they done often on, like, a black background? Was it, like, a lot of black and then the color popped out of that? Yeah, I think that uh, they had matte around uh, it, you uh -huh. know? Maybe and that's why I believe that it. a lot of the matte was, was black. Yeah. So well, that's super cool, though. So yeah. you got music coming out of the family. You got visual art coming out of the family. What else does the man family do like together, you know, like, are you, are you the kind of people who like to go hike around Red Rock or do you, do you like to, um, what do you, what, what's the family stuff like? So, uh, my wife and kids love to drag me out and, uh, go hiking. Um, and I try to find the flattest <laughs> place to go. The flattest thing you can call a hike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, you know, uh, if we can stop a few times on the hike, um, you know, if we go 200 feet, I, I, I think I'm doing pretty, you know, mm -hmm. stealth, stealthy kind of stuff there. The, um, I'm going to psychoanalyze you based on your answer, of course, but, uh, you know, around here you've got options or basically mountain or desert. Right. Which one do you? Which one would you prefer in general when it comes to going out out in the yeah. nature? So we we do cemetery. You do cemetery. Well, there you go. <laughs> Good. Yeah. No, actually, we we've gone up. Um, uh, we've we've done some mountains. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, but um, again, like I say, uh, few and far between, mm -hmm. and. Uh, the flatter, the better, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh, I hear you there. But do you get them back by dragging them out to every Scottish festival that you can? Uh, man, you've got me down. <laughs> I figured got that's got to be the case, right? <laughs> you know, and, and just to see the look of joy that comes across uh, yeah. my wife's <laughs> face. <laughs> uh, 
But, but uh, like on that note, have you convinced any of your kids at any point to pick up sticks or chanter? Uh, I my son was playing chanter for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, um, when he got married, that kind of went away. My grandkids, uh, they're they've been. You know, they'll come over and grab my chanter and, you know, play around on it. But, yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 if, if they want to gravitate towards that, you know, I don't want to, because I remember when I was pushed playing organ mm-hmm. and, you know, it was just like a fight fest yep. every day, you know, 15 minutes, you know, my, my face was red i was sweating i you know uh yep let this you know horror be done so yeah that's that's exactly what we're putting our kids through with piano right now and that's yeah that's why i'm i'm also i'm similarly trying to be like somewhat cautious with the pipes and and whistles and other stuff because like i want them to be like fun options for my kids like i hope they'll like doing these things and i do want them to do them but i'm i'm already torturing them through one thing you know i don't want to create even yeah. more points of 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 uh, friction between us <laughs> you know right right yeah which it's also like the silliest torture to put one's child through right it's like you're gonna thank me later you know and it's you know, costing me how much is this costing me every month just to have my child you know like cry and scream at me you know <laughs> man that was a flashback <laughs> <laughs> tell me it gets better jeff tell me it gets better <laughs> I I was hearing my mom right there for a minute. Yeah, you know? you'll thank me when you're older. <laughs> uh, now, you also, this is maybe a very trivial thing to ask you about, but it's one of the things that I do think is really cool when I see you with your awesome walking stick. Where did that drone walking stick come from? Did, oh. the, did the morals make that? No. Where did that come so, from? And um, maybe tell me about it, because this is radio after all. Maybe describe it a little bit. More. Right. So it's a it's a walking stick. Um, it looks like, it looks like a cane Mm -hmm. and it has a, uh, the head of a thistle. So this, uh, uh, we were over in Scotland, we were going to the worlds and Andrew Morrill was with me. Was this, was this when Wasatch went to compete or was this just to spectate? No, this was just Andrew and I. Mm -hmm. Uh, had gone one year and uh, Andrew wanted to stop off at a bagpipe shop Naturally. and so we went over to Sinclair mm. the Sinclair shop and when we walked in there there was this glass case that had this exact same thing sitting in the case mm. and I'm like Holy cow, that is gorgeous. What mm. is that? You know? And um, um, uh, they said, well, this is what... Um, so Alistair Sinclair had made this for his father, I believe. That's that's how the story went. Mm. And, and what it is, is you can unscrew the top of the stick... And where, you know, where the, this top of this thistle mm-hmm. thing is and, um, and, and you get a blowpipe. 
oh jeff oh this is so cool i've seen really really old illustrations of of these things before like they don't seem to exist anymore but it seems like they used to be a thing carry on tell me tell me more about it yeah and so at the bottom you can unscrew the bottom and then you've got a little practice channel yeah yeah and so what what happened was his his uh father was getting old uh, Alistair's father was getting older, his grandfather, I can't remember which one. And he used to go across the road over to the park and he would, he would practice. Mm-hmm. But what he would do is he would have his practice chanter in one, underneath one arm, his music under the other arm and a cane, mm-hmm. you know, as he was going across. And, and so Alistair sat there and thought, Huh, how do we, you know, and then this whole idea of making a practice chanter cane came up. And so, you know, I saw that thing sitting in that case and I said, man, I have to have one of those. That is so cool, yeah. And so, yeah. That's the only thing cooler than a sword cane in my mind. Like the only thing that... (laughs) Right. (laughs) I would have said I want a sword cane, but now I want a practice chanter cane. Yeah. Yeah, it was... it, it. it's a cool thing. How do we get so so? Then did you have them make you one there, at Sin, the Sinclair guys, or how did right. you get a hold of one? Yeah. yeah so uh-huh. he made it for me and and sent it over. And so how do we get yeah. the morals to start making them, huh? You know that's a good idea, actually. Come on, <laughs> I, you know, I, I want never one. thought about that. <laughs> I really want one. I think it's so cool. I saw an illustration once, Jeff, of one that somebody had made like a really long time ago. Like we're talking, you know, like pre-photos. You know, this is a really old illustration of one that somebody had made where it actually had two reed seats in it, and so oh, right. one of the reeds, you know, went to your fingering, but the other one just played a little a little longer down the stick, and there was a hole, so you had a little drone going too. Wow, wow, that is cool. So come on, Ross, Andrew, let's do this. <laughs> I want one. Yeah. <laughs> you got one pre-sale already. <laughs> that's that's right, and uh, you know we could probably take it over there, and they could. Uh, yeah, they could get look, the to measurements. Look it over, get some ideas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good idea. Mm. So Jeff, when it comes to listening to bagpipes, other than live on the day of a competition, of course. Who do you like to listen to? What pipe bands or, or trad groups or soloists? Uh, what do you like listening to? I do really enjoy me some Simon Fraser. Sure, absolutely. I really do like them. Um, uh, you know, you can't, um, you can't uh, go away from listening to Inverary with, you know, with anything but a smile, mm. um, and then you know, field marshal. I mean, I guess those are the um, uh, the the main ones, of course. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. So, solid listening for sure. Um, if if money were no object, what would be your go to piping and drumming? Um, you know, piece of kit or, or experience or, you know, what would you do if, if you had a blank check when it comes to, you know, bagpipes and stuff like that? Oh. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I really want, um, is the Blair Ooh, chanter. Yeah, those seem cool. 
that you know I saw them at Winter Storm and I just man I'd love to get a Blair Chander um, uh, as far as pipes go huh um, now, the morals are going to be offended if you don't say you want a set of their pipes. Just, just you know, putting that I, out there. And and I do have a set of theirs. Oh, okay, okay. So we're covered there then. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're we're covered there. Um, man, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that I'm going to have to plead the fifth on that one because <laughs> I just know too many. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to upset any other makers. Yeah. yeah. Understandable. Understandable. Um, did you go to Winter Storm just this just this year? I did. We uh, had our Anapaba meeting, and uh, so uh, we typically will hold our Anapaba summit uh, the same time as Winter Storm. So, so. that's you know not not to end this lovely talk on a boring note or anything, but like. What can you tell me about all of this, all of this work that you do to keep, you know, uh, our associations existing and running? Like, do you only do it because nobody else is willing and you're a noble soul? <laughs> or have you found a way to find joy while doing it? Because <laughs> my impression James, is that nobody else is willing. <laughs> James, have you, have you known me to be a noble soul? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, um, Anapaba kind of, um, it kind of came into its own, you know? Mm. Yeah, uh, all we had to do is just get the presidents of all these associations together and, uh, you know, looking at commonality, looking at standardizing, looking at, you know, what is something that works here in North America that, you know, doesn't work, uh, or, or something that works in Scotland but might not work as well over here in the States. Right, what's unique um, about here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that we, we learned, you know, there's no doubt that we learned so much from uh, our counterpart from the RSPBA and, mm -hmm. and Scotland and the National Piping Center and all these people, uh, we, we get so much from them and then try to, you know, fit it into our demographic. Yeah. And, um, but I think that this last meeting was very eye-opening. Uh, we had an incredible presentation um, from uh, Michael Gray and uh, um, Jim McGilvery oh, yeah. gave a, an incredible presentation as well. But we're, I think, needing to refocus quite a bit on um, reaching out and, and uh, you know, having some kind of outreach program. Is that where, like to re reach out to people who aren't pipers and drummers to get them into it? Right. I see. Right. Yeah. Um, because, uh, Michael had some, uh, some data that showed that, you know, you wouldn't know it to, to look at it, but, uh, you know, piping and drumming 
in North America is uh, has gone way down, mm. way down. In in terms and of numbers, in ter- in terms of numbers, we don't want to make right? anybody feel bad by saying it's in terms of quality, of course. Oh no, that no, 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 might no. also yeah, be the case. Yeah, Who yeah. knows, right? <laughs> yeah. Did it no, start going think... down about the year I started to solo, Jeff? Is that <laughs> was that the turning point? <laughs> no, actually, I think that you know people will acknowledge that some of the most innovative stuff in piping and drumming are coming out of North America. We'd you certainly know. like to think so, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, our our numbers mm-hmm. are are going down and so, you know, the thought of doing some kind of outreach in areas that you wouldn't normally go. Mm-hmm. You know, um homeschool programs. Uh, oh, yeah. Um synagogues mm-hmm. uh we were talking about you know uh the the sikhs have a band uh out in uh i believe it's up in uh the toronto area oh really you know, if i'm not mistaken yeah uh, what michael was telling us and uh it's it's you know if we can get outreach going and start building up some of our numbers um you know, I think COVID really gave us a big hit. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, even uh, some of the people that dropped off uh, bands and things and decided to get into other things that they could actually do during COVID, yeah. you know, reaching out to them again and uh, get them back. Because, right? yeah, 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 absolutely. That is interesting. Like, of course, I'm, I, I only, you know, I have blinders on outside of my own experience. And so, like, you know, I think to myself, like, well, I learned to play in a public high school program. And, of course, that was great for me. And so my, I would naturally think to myself, let's get more public high school programs going, you know. And I also, right. like, I think we're probably all, like, I hadn't even thought of it until you just mentioned it. But, like, I am very accustomed to hearing people talk about how their bands practice at the such and such Presbyterian church. That just seems to be like a very ubiquitous thing. And like, so like it wouldn't have even entered my consciousness that like there are also homeschooling programs and charter schooling programs and, and other religious buildings that could host a band practice, you know, like, oh yeah. So, so maybe, man, it's, it feels so similar to what, to that, that closed mindset that I had about like who could be on the board for things, you know, that like, what if I'm just, I'm only casting my net in such a narrow space, you know, like. How do we cast yeah. it wider? Right, right. Mm. And, and you know, with that, again, you know, you're inviting culture and, and you know, different, uh, you know, uh, aisles of thought and yeah. ideas and Cool synergies and, and innovations will y- come from that. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. the Hegelian model, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Have a thesis and a and a and an antithesis, and have them create a new synthesis. Yeah. 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 So, is the future bright for for piping in North America? I think it is. Yeah. I I really do because, you know, um, everybody, and and in my thinking, everybody has a hero, right? Yeah. Be it a pipe band or a piper or drummer or you know, somebody like that. And as long as these individuals are, are willing to 
to help and and again like do outreach mm-hmm. um, and and become available uh, I think that people will always you know um, even if they're in awe of, of you know these people and they find out that holy cow these people are human they're willing to help they're mm-hmm. you know as cool and good as they are you know you can actually talk to them and they'll talk back and and uh, you know share what they've got share their knowledge and teach and instruct and you know I yeah. mean I, I yeah I do I do feel like uh, the future is bright mm-hmm.